to the U.S. Fire Journal Podcast. We offer views and opinions on the fire service around the world with no topic too tough to handle. Visit us at usfirejournal.com for all your fire service information. Now, here's your host, Jay. Good afternoon and welcome into the podcast. Today is Friday, it's September the 30th, 2022. And lots to talk about today. I want to jump right into uh, sad news out of New York City where an FDNY EMS lieutenant uh, was stabbed to death on a call. And I don't know all of the particulars, so therefore I'm not going to to, uh, comment with specificity or specific to that particular incident, uh, except to say that my condolences go out to the family, friends, and, and uh, fellow workers there in uh, New York and then um, uh, throughout fire and EMS there. You know, it seems like scene safety only comes up when a tragedy happens. And, and in these comments I'm fixing to make, which are general in nature, um, you know, I, I have seen some things. I, I was... Uh, I watched a, a department um, that uh, their their EMS uh, units get a call and and nobody takes a radio inside. They don't. To me, uh, that's irresponsible. The radio is there to provide you with an opportunity to get information out, and obviously for your communications division to get information in. But keep keep this in mind with respect to scene safety. A portable radio is essential to scene safety. And to watch uh, so-called pros uh, go into a place, multiple, I mean, practically every call, and see them in there without radios, without any means to contact anyone and say, hey, you know what, Um, we're in bad shape here. That, to me, is, is irresponsible, and it does not... Uh, reflect well on uh, the personnel involved, especially supervisors and, uh, and all the way up the chain. You know, look, back in the day, and many of us will remember when the only radio was in the truck, and then the only radio was when a company officer was carrying it. Um, now everyone's issued radios, and they're a valuable uh, item to carry with you. Uh, with EMS, there really is no excuse. People talk about bulky PPE and firefighters having to wear all this gear. It's absolutely true, and everything adds another pound to, to what you're carrying. EMS has no excuse. They really don't. You have a radio, carry it. Um, it, it just makes sense. It allows you to uh, make a transmission to get help. Um, to me, it's a no-brainer. It really is. And I've reached out uh, asking EMS professionals in, in uh, some of the more significant uh, EMS uh, divisions around the country. And I didn't get one person that, that said, oh, you don't really need that radio. All of them said, no, you absolutely need the radio. Um, scene safety starts with, with, with uh, first responders. I mean, it does. You have to take care of what you have to take care of and then look outward. Another thing with scene safety that's a pet peeve of mine is allowing people to drive through scenes. You know, 
we see firefighters who've been injured or killed uh, because hose becomes wrapped up. It gets pulled uh, by cars going through uh, a working fire incident or a fire incident that's out, and it ends up uh, harming firefighters, not to mention it can harm civilians, the people you're sworn to protect. I think the bottom line is, again, um, it does no good. It does zero good to have well-marked vehicles with great lights and everything else if, where there are barricades, they don't exist. People just drive right through a scene. Um, you know, and, and the bottom line is, this is the bottom line. I don't care how important your road is. It is not more important than the people who are responding. Some people like to play highway patrol or, or you know, well, this is an important road. Yeah, all of them are important when they're closed. Some are very important. But the bottom line is, who are you going to cry to? Who is the person who closes the road? Who are you going to cry to when someone gets hurt or killed? Um, it's just, look, everybody wants traffic moving. No one likes to sit in traffic. And uh, But when you have an emergency scene, it's important to protect first respond it's important to protect your firefighters to prevent them from being injured or killed um, i can promise you that uh, uh, they will look harshly upon anyone who opens roads and allows first responders to be hurt i talked uh, fairly at length it was either the last podcast or the one before about doing uh, it's either doing your job or not doing your job uh, being involved or not being involved, and, and not trying to uh, play both sides against the middle. Um, and I want to reiterate a particular point, and I think this point is important. Some people think, wrongly, but they think, you know what? I'm going to half buy in, but only when I want to. Well, look. If you're half flying a plane and you hit a mountain, it's your fault. If you half buy in and you get dismissed, it's your fault, period. Now, let me talk about buy-in because this is where I got a little pushback on it, and it's frankly good pushback because I do need to specify it. I look at buy-in in any particular job, but especially the fire service, as being someone who is on time, shows up to work, works, responds to incidents, helps to mitigate the incidents, and then at the end of the day, do their duties and go home. Buying in doesn't mean that you have to be an overwhelmingly enthusiastic supporter of every measure that comes down. That instead, that, that tends to be composed of people who what we used to call them brown nosers or well, there were other names. I'm not going to use it in case there are kids listening. But that is not buying in. Those people would buy in on everything. They would buy in on buying a damn iceberg that sunk the Titanic. That's what they are. Frankly, they're going to buy into anything anyone brings to them of a higher rank because it's a way to get their nose in an area wherein they can come into contact with brown matter. Those people... I, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that professional buy-in. Uh, 
You don't need to jump up and down and act like a cheerleader when something happens. If you want to, that's up to you. What it does mean is that no matter your feelings on a particular subject, you're a professional about it. It's not your first call. It's not your first fire. It's not your first rodeo. But the bottom line is when something comes down and you've got to do it, you buy in to the extent that is required of a professional. That's buy-in, in my opinion. Then you have people who like to, you know, sort of say, well, you know, I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do, yada, yada, yada. And, and basically, they're master manipulators. They manipulate a system. They manipulate uh, the people or person, the people around them, the person or persons around them. They manipulate administration. Basically, what they're after is chaos. That, that's what they're after. They're after chaos. And every time they get into some sort of little bind, they activate that manipulation button. They hit it. Boom. All right. Let's start with manipulation. Well, I'm not happy. I'm sad. Um, you know, I don't like the way things are going because 27 years ago, you know, I wasn't able to buy a hamburger at half price and it, it's destroyed my entire psyche. These people are, again, manipulators. And if leadership can't see it and take care of it, then you have big problems. Because those people will keep doing it uh, until such time as they've probably caused a great deal or a great number of problems. Those problems do not go away quickly. And ultimately, that person will decide to remove themselves. The problem is, how long do you wait? At what point does it become proactive and healthy to say, you know what, that's it, we're done. So again, it falls back on, uh, certainly on leadership, and, and it falls back on your peers. Um, a, a job that I worked, a fire department I worked for, had a very, very strong background of peers taking care of problems. So if you had a problem firefighter, whatever it was, uh, typically the people around them were able to motivate them and or send them to the top for the top to say, that's it, you're gone. Now, this requires um, a lot of buy-in from everybody. And I think also it requires a, a strong fire department history of it. Now, you can't, you can't have great history unless you start at some point. Um, but it just so happened that particular department was a fairly old department. Uh, had been around a long time, and so it was a matter of pride, and it wasn't something that a lot of people had to think about. If somebody was a problem, it was up to firefighters to take care of it. don't mean in any extreme way, but I'm talking about the way that peers can look at other people and say, this has got to be fixed. There's some, certainly, there was some inventive uh, items that, that, uh, that, that helped with that, some creative people who came up with unique ways to deal with it. But the bottom line was you never wanted to send something up the line that hadn't already been, that, that you know, if, if nothing had been done prior to that. But ultimately, talking again about buy-in, people are either buy-in or, they, or they, they get out. Um, you just can't allow that manipulation to continue. And uh, I, I know I was talking with uh, a friend of mine who's a, a battalion chief at a, at a department who um, has a, a strong history of peers taking care of things. 
It's sort of that peer leadership. And uh, we were talking, we were talking about the hurricane, but we got off talking about, uh, about, you know, solving a problem at its lowest possible level. There are too many people out there, they want to be uh, the leader, not because they want to lead, but because they want to be in charge. That can be uh, destructive for sure. Thankfully, in this department uh, that I'm talking about, um, that, tip, that thing doesn't happen. Again, peers take care of peers, and he was relating a story uh, about a, uh, uh, an incident that occurred that was taken care of by uh, the company officers in the battalion, it involved a company officer, and they were able to rectify the situation. And again, um, that sort of, you have to have buy-in from people further up the line for that, uh, from that, and to be able to do that, because there are far too many people who want to be ultimately the, the decision maker. That's what they focus on. And trust me, you need to be able to make decisions. But sometimes you can say or look at your folks and say, you know what, this problem needs solving. What can you come up with? If they don't come up with anything, then go solve the problem. It is a severe disservice to all of your people, no matter if it's a company, a battalion, a district, a division, whatever the case may be. It's a severe disservice to everyone to operate um, and expect great things out of your people if someone's not pulling their load. Ultimately, that ends up being a terrible, terrible thing. Change subjects a little bit to talk about fads. Um, we all know what fads are. I mean, if you grew up in the 80s, you knew what Jordache jeans and shell toe Adidas and uh, all those sorts of things were. And, and of course, hey, Adidas is still around. Uh, Jordash is still around, I would imagine. Um, the bottom line is fads come and go. But people invest a lot of energy in fads when, when, the, when something becomes in vogue. Um, it's ha it happens in the fire service a great deal uh, with respect to a particular nozzle or a particular uh, make of hose or, or a particular tactic. Um, you know, fog nozzles were going to solve all the world's problems. And, and of course, they didn't. They created problems, and, and uh, people, weren't, wasn't aware, people weren't aware of it because it just became what you did as opposed to having sound advice that, that you know, let you be the decision maker on, on what's best for your department in a given situation. So, yeah, apparatus come and go, uh, hose lays, hose loads, uh, types of hose, types of uh, uh, equipment, it, it all becomes, you know, what's the latest fad versus the proven. So I thought I'd talk a little bit about the proven. Uh, you know, people get excited about new things. I, I think we all do. Um, because we see new things, new gadgets, new ways of doing things as a sort of, uh, uh, it breaks up the monotony, right? Um if you've got a particular nozzle on your uh, on your uh, on an attack line, and then you know you've fought fire, and you're like, yeah, it's working pretty good, you know, but wouldn't it be great if it was a Bluetooth nozzle? Bear with me. 
And so inevitably, some people are going to go, no, I'm not into that. In the same way that when there were horses and vehicles, you know, motor vehicles first came around, a lot of people said it'd be a cold day in hell before I ever step on a motor motor vehicle when we got perfectly good horses. There's always those people. But equally as bad, perhaps even worse, are the people who say, oh my gosh, look, these are new motor vehicles. Imagine if we tied it to some sort of helicopter and bounced it around the city, you know, dropping it on fires. There's always people like that as well. People who think that technology can solve every issue. But not only, not only technology, the latest technology. And it's fun to listen to people uh, debate over these types of things, in part because all you really have to do is ask a couple of questions, and oftentimes you get them off their game because they really haven't thought through what they're arguing for. Um, Typically, in many cases, they simply don't know uh, because they haven't done any testing themselves, and and that's fair. We all do that. Um, We decide on something new without fully thinking through the, you know, the entire story or through the consequences. But the proven is important because while you're playing around with new ideas and new ways to do things, you have to have something that's getting you through. And sometimes, in the search for something that's new and better, we come to the realization that some, some of the things we have are so damn good and we're so used, but we're so used to them, we don't see it until we start comparing it. Uh, I remember, you know, we used to carry 35-foot ladders on engines. We did. You know, we needed them. Um, that was a thought process, and which is fine. Um, and, and so we were carrying 35s, and then 24s came along. We tried out the 24s and loved the 24s. Uh, Sure, you lost nine feet, and that's tough, but you also have a ladder truck coming. Um, The 24 allowed us to do a lot of one-man throws or or two-person throws, but, you know, quickly, much lighter, much easier to deal with, much easier to move, to roll, everything else. And now I've had the 24 for a long time, and, uh, you know, I hear people talk about, yeah, you know, if we had this and if, if it had that, and sometimes I think to myself, you know, the 24 is a good ladder. I mean, it just is. And sure, at some point, it will likely be surpassed by something. That point hasn't arrived yet, though, because the 24 just works. Um, Not in every application, but in a majority of them, it just works, because a ladder truck is going to show up. Now, maybe one day, the the, the 26-footer will surpass the 24-footer because it'll be lighter. Um, it'll be able to warm up coffee. You know, who knows? And, and, but it has to be proven before it's something that is, is considered, you know what, proven. You know? It has to prove itself over a period of time. And things change so rapidly now, at least in people's minds, that, that people are always looking for the next thing. And they think, you know, well, that thing's been on the truck eight months. It's time to replace it, whatever this new gadget is. I see people who say, you know what? We need to put this thing on, on, our, uh, on our discharges, or we need to put this on an intake, or we need to have this. And oftentimes, it's never utilized. Or it's on there, 
But as soon as they get into a rush, they throw it aside because it doesn't work as good as the original. I guess the bottom line is this. Fads aren't bad. They're not. They introduce us to new things. And change is inevitable. But change for change's sake, or to try to say, well, we've got the latest, is asinine. It's backwards. It's wrong. And no amount of, of uh, cool photos, cool videos, whatever the case may be. I see it all the time on, online. No amount of that stuff will ever make something great in and of itself. It's what's proven. How it's proven. Is it proven on scene? Then let's do it. If it's not proven on scene, let's hold up a little bit. Let's, let's allow for some time. Time tends to heal things like that. It tends to, to pass judgment on whether something's proven or not. And that's important. Again, no change is horrible. Wholesale change, for change's sake, is horrible. Look at the fads. Try them out. But don't commit to them. Give them time. Time will tell the story. That's it for today. We'll be back for another edition with another edition of US Fire Journal Podcasts tomorrow. Stay safe.